As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music! Charge your glass! This nation is going to dance all night! You'll never stop this flame, I will never let you go. Well, who am I to say? Maybe by now you should know. Classified results nil, hilarious, knee-jerk, occasionally pompous but otherwise fairly understandable backlash won, Scott Parker hits the ground running back in the Premier League, what's the difference between cat and mouse and a game of chess, David Seaman at the National Cat Awards, what constitutes a Player X-inspired win, and the return of Keys and Grey Corner. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 180 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, how are you? I'm all right. Even better now I've re-familiarised myself with your appearance on the Totally Football Show last week where I thought at one point you really pushed your luck. And, yeah. But anyway, uh, it didn't get... And, and it featured Richard Keyes actually. It's one and only time I worked with Richard Keyes. I directed Richard Keyes. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a Game recognises game. Yeah, like that Spider-Man 100%. meme. 100%. Yeah, I think um, I think James knew the the spirit that that was meant in. You know, I think he knows how high esteem I hold him in. Yeah, it's weird to think of them coexisting, Charlie. Uh, just, you know, it's weird to think of them even being in the same room at any point during the last thirty years. Yeah, that was why I was. I, I did find that news very exciting. Mm. The idea of them collaborating is so. Um, yeah, so different in every way. Like Clarkson and Tarrant, you just wouldn't assume that they would ever be in the same space despite being at the peak of their games at the very same time. Um, speaking of someone who's at the peak of their game, it's David Walker. How's it going? Yeah, very well. All sorts of subculture war shenanigans going on in football this week. And the first of all, one I'm very happy to join in with is the uh, the absence of team names on the Sky Sports uh, score caption. Mm. 
in the top left-hand corner. So to let the listeners in um, behind this behind the scenes, I was watching the game with you on yeah. Friday in a trendy sports bar in mm. uh, in Islington, and um, the 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 reaction on your face when you when they when that score graphic popped up in the corner of the screen I, can't, I it was sort of it was equal parts joy and horror yeah i don't know I, it's hard to not it's hard to not sort of slip into a cartoonish reaction that you think yeah. people expect of you but, but you were, i you know, you were, i think you it's were, a genuine disgrace correct me if i'm wrong but it was so you were annoyed at the fact that they've done it but also pleased at the fact that you knew it would lead to good social media <laughs> content yes equally <laughs> Equally, in equal measure. But yeah, all change on Sky Sports coverage this season, Dave. But some things have remained the same, quite stunningly, um, because uh, one thing, as per the lyrics, has not gone away. Because, rather unexpectedly, because I thought this was only a two-year deal, uh, Celeste's Stop This Flame has remained the theme tune to Sky Sports Premier League Mm. coverage. It will never die. Self-prophesizing lyrics there. But um, another little twist in the tale from, from you, I believe. Yeah, well, again, when we were talking about this on Friday, I recalled that I actually saw Celeste perform this song live at Glastonbury. (laughs) And I was sort of looking around in the crowd to sort of see if anyone was like, you know, (laughs) just sort of know, you know, people that maybe wouldn't have been fans of hers were kind of nodding along a bit more enthusiastically to this particular (laughs) number. And I remember I actually did film a bit of it. And you can you can hear if you listen very carefully, you can hear midway through this clip, somebody somebody points out that they've heard this song somewhere before. That's me at the end, yeah. Oh, right. I, do, you not I, hear the, do you not hear the bit at the start where someone no, goes, oh, it's, it's from the advert, isn't it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what I am surprised by, Charlie, despite never fathoming the idea of ever hearing that song in any other context than the uh, opening credits to, to Sky Sports Premier League coverage, um, it's, it's a good live performance. Like It's acceptable. Mm. It didn't feel like I was being taken out of my comfort zone with it. It's nicely done. The, the place is rocking. Mm. I mean, presumably, Dave, did you, when you went, did you know that the song was by that particular artist? I, I, I think I did know it before, but I sort of just stumbled across the set and she was, before, right. a lot of her other songs are quite, they were quite sort of soulful ballads and, and sort of thing. Because you only ever hear this four or five seconds of it on Sky Sports. I hadn't sort of put the two and two together. And then it just sort of started, I was like, hey, hang on, here we go. Well, it is it, an amazing moment, that sort of yeah. realisation. This adds to my theory that some of these songs are written specifically for the purpose of, of, of getting the gig. And that, that's why <laughs> yeah. it's so different to all our other output. That's why. Probably a completely different writing team as far as I'm concerned. But I'm glad it translated well to a live setting because not all very football-centric songs do. Um, I might have thumped this tub before. Here, for example, is the Lightning Seeds Life of Riley. Um, <laughs> I've chosen a great one here. This is the Lightning Seeds Life of Riley live in Qatar 2019. Oh, wow. Horrible. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> the vocal's very high in the mix. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of... Can't get the octave, can it? 
<laughs> oh, it's so far divorced from the real thing, Dave. I can't stomach it. No, it's weird. It's just weird. Really weird. You don't expect it to be that guitar-y, mm. do you? Yeah, they really rock out. Though yeah. I would say on that, I do remember that being a song before... Like, I remember it being a vague hit for the Lightning Seeds before it was used on Match of the Day. Fair enough. Fair enough. In defense of Lightning yeah. Charlie. But yeah, just to clarify, Charlie, that clip you were watching there was Lightning Seeds live in Qatar. It wasn't Woodstock 99. <laughs> I, know, I know the crowd were going wild, but uh, yeah, easy <laughs> mistake to make. I'd love to know how that came about. It's such an amazing sort of union. Yeah. Um, who, who made the approach? Why Did they particularly think they had a big following in Qatar? <laughs> it feels like Keezy's involved, personally. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one man Huge who could be the link. Yeah. Premier League and Qatar. Yeah, where, what could the link be? Since then, they've done nothing. <laughs> anyway, time for the adjudication panel. And I am sad to report to both of you that the game has gone. The game is completely and utterly gone because it has come to the nation's attention about 48 hours later that Five Live Sport have axed the classified reading of the football results at 5pm on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, A minefield of a debate. But Dave, in an attempt to try and get to the core of this, the essence of the backlash, here's one tweet. Can't believe the BBC have dropped the reading of the classified results on Sports Report. Talk about an OG. WTF? Mark Lawrenson. <laughs> of course. How do we feel? I mean, instinctively, Dave, honestly, before we get into the uh, layers of culture war here, how do you actually feel? Honestly, I don't feel a single thing <laughs> about it because, and I, 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 maybe I'm in the minority when it comes to sort of our particular demographic of football fans, but I just never, ever listened to any BBC radio growing up. Like in our house, in our car, Fair it was enough. always capital gold or capital uh, fm or whatever and so I, I i don't have any fondness or nostalgia or memory of james alexander gordon of sports report of brian butler of any of those people that used to be on five live that people mm. go on about so much you know talk back in such wistful terms for and which is not to say that any of those things are rubbish but i for me personally it just completely passed me by so okay. that so i don't feel like i'm losing anything at all charlie let's 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 approach this from a practical perspective first of all it does feel like a bit of a shame that they've got rid of it because it probably didn't cost much or if anything it doesn't take up a great deal of audio real estate and it probably wasn't a pain in the ass for anybody to really kind of do so it's in that sense well, it's probably slightly that. unnecessary yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of think it's it's a bit like, yeah, that, that's probably all true. And I always wonder with that sort of thing, is it worth the hassle um, of the backlash that they're inevitably going to get? But I guess from their point of view, they think, well, if we thought that about everything, you know, all of these, in inverted commas, institutions, mm. we'd never move on. It's kind of like when you move house and you're like, well, I might need that at some point. I probably won't, yeah. but I might. I'm re- and so, you know, I'll just take everything with me and you end up with far more stuff than you actually need. Do you feel, Charlie, that it, that it qualifies as an institution? I oh. think it's just about there. Oh, I think so. Yeah, mm. I think I think a lot of people would see it in those terms. I mean, I, per- and personally, I am a good example of someone who did. I mean, I remember on family holidays in Wales, it would be on the car radio because we, would, me and my brother and sister, would ask for it. And so yeah. I, I do have some fond memories of that. But I think it's hard to be protective of something. I I can't remember the last time I listened to that. So it's very you know. So this is they crucial. can't be they can't be keeping things for you know me 20 years ago <laughs> who did it on tv was that since that who did that on tv or was it someone else 
like on, on grandstand or or whatever. Tim Gudgeon, he read out the TV ones. So uh... that's that's the thing that comes to mind for me is hearing is seeing them on TV. I, n- I never heard them on the radio. But mm. I, my only experience with the classified scores, you said there, it's not not much of a hassle to do. <laughs> in one of my early jobs working in radio, I did actually compile the classified scores for Adrian Durham on Talk right. Sport. And it actually it was a really stressful, probably the most stressful <laughs> part of the day. Just print them off the internet. What are you doing? Well, there was a, no, because you had like such a finite window between mm. final whistles going mm. roughly around 10 to 5, and we had to read them out um, in this specific juncture before other stuff needed to happen, which is probably one of the reasons why Five Live have got rid of it because there's just so much going on now because they've got all the they've got the five thirty yep. commentary yep. they've got to do stuff before, and we, it was a two man job so we had to read them off. I'm sure the BBC have a more sophisticated system than this, but we uh, back then literally had to watch Sky Sports News and Jeff, and one one of us would write would have all the teams written out but without the scores, and then the other one would say Coventry. One one. So just say the home team, and then one one, and then you and then you just quickly find it, and then you fill it in. Right. And you had to do that for all all of the yeah from Premier League down to Scottish Division Three or whatever it is, and it was genuinely really stressful. And we had to like check them all before they went out on air, and a few times, of course, we got them wrong. Mm. Um, oh, that's nice. So it's actually a bit of a hassle. I bet whoever used to do that at the BBC is probably quite glad. Yeah. Well, uh, that's an interesting perspective. Um, your Euros wall chart obsession suddenly makes way more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got to fill the scores in. It's in my brain. It's ingrained in me. But um, Charlie, as with all acts of axing from uh, popular media institutions, you do wonder what the motivation might be, or indeed the motivation for the backlash that has happened. Uh, I wonder if <laughs> I wonder if this is going to be filed under these young people. They can't concentrate on someone reading out every single result from the professional leagues of England and Scotland for four minutes. It would be blamed on the YouTube generation. Yeah. Yeah, the attention they want bite size. They want even yeah. bite size. I don't know. It's one of those as well. I do feel a bit often with backlashes because so many people are far more angry than I am. Even if I was mildly angry, my anger is so it's so instantly put mm. in the shade by people who seem genuinely furious that I then feel a lot less angry as a result. It's um, got such a classic rhythm to it. I mean, it could be anything. It happens mm. to be the classified scores this time, but we could substitute that for for any sort of perceived cultural institution i'm sorry dave but if you're going to get slightly uh, obsessed with the way that a, a man reads out something in a certain intonation then you're in the right place quite frankly aren't you? So <laughs> that's absolutely fine but um I, I you know charlie appears to be sitting on the fence about this which is absolutely fine we don't we don't want we don't want to denigrate people's um, fondness for things that happened in the past that were nice but I, I i want to take a little bit of a dive into the reaction uh, one comment left under a uh, online piece about this said no doubt a decision by some spotty faced lefty executive <laughs> just out to destroy history and tradition not a clue the loss of them <laughs> <laughs> how could it possibly be a politically motivated decision to get oh. rid of the classified results on bbc uh, you don't get many spotty faced executives do you No, to be honest mm. if anything a uh, you know, meteoric rise for that guy. Yeah, so yeah. fair play to him. Obviously knows what he's doing. Um, I do, Dave, I do sympathise with those who kind of regard it as being a nice gear change because the 3 p.m. commentaries are breathless things and they're often mm. quite fraught. And and after all of that, it's it's. I guess it's kind of nice to have that gear change of someone just yeah, you know, quietly going through the scores. No, no, it's all 100%. Right. It, 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 it definitely performs a, a, a very useful function even from just from a sort of radio sort of production point of view. 
it's the full stop on mm. one thing before you go, right, okay, that's that. And then we move on to the, whether it be a game, whether it be a phone-in, whatever. So I get it. And I've, I've listened to them before, whatever, and on TalkSport or whatever and enjoyed them. But I'm, you know, I'm certainly not going to be crying over the loss of them. I don't think, because I think, and I think for the majority of people who are complaining, it will make a blind bit of difference to their lives. No, of but course. Maybe, that, maybe that's not the point. That's mm. central to all of this sort of reaction. Bit of a shame that they've chosen this time to do it though, Charlie, because uh, apropos of nothing, Four Fire Athletic travelled to East Fife next weekend. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> I really hope it happens now. Oh. Yeah, that would be cruel. Mm. That would be cruel. It'd be sensational. But um, okay, so what's your line here? I mean, I mean, Charlie's on the fence about this. Doesn't want to piss anybody off. Dave's got wistful memories of it from a professional and personal perspective. I think it's all incredibly funny. What would be your line, Charlie? What would be your classified results outrage? Where's where's the thing that you really would lament with all your might? Well, I, I was thinking that only on only yesterday. I was watching a bit of match of the day on my phone, and I just whizzed through the theme music. And I was like, oh, that feels sort of sacrilegious to do that but at the same time I just I don't really I've listened to it loads of times I know the games that are on there's no real purpose to it and yet if that were to go that would seem a shame I mean if match of the day generally were to go mm. I'd be I like think oh that, be sad, that, 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 that's really sad and that is something that even now when viewing habits of everyone has changed still serves a really important purpose and mm. there is something still so comforting about Gary Lineker and the guests they have. Yeah. So that that would upset me. Just like your grandparents, like you don't want them to go, but um, <laughs> you, you're not likely to see them more than once every six months. Um, but yeah. as far as the theme tune, <laughs> as far as the theme tune goes, Dave, my affection for it is pretty limited. I care about the first one second and the last one second because they are the best bits. They're the the bits of match of the day starting and the bit of the theme tune ending and the and the program starting. And to me, they're everything in the middle is. I am completely uh, neutral about. Did, 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 did. Yep, exactly. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's nice. But I, I sort of think that actually, weirdly, I sort of have more affection for hearing it out of context than I do sitting down to watch the, which again, is sort of kind of the whole point of this whole debate. Mm. I, I, I can't remember the last time I actually sat down live and watched Match of the Day from minute one to, mm. to the end. Mm. But if I do hear it, I'm like, you know, I'll sort of be nodding along. And to that point, one of my friends um, sent a video round to us at, at the weekend on Saturday morning. He's got like an old, really, really, really old vinyl of like the original Match of the Day theme tune mm. from whenever it was first composed. And I was like, I was loving it. Like, yeah, it but that's, that's a very, that's a very different context. Yeah, yeah. Of course you're going to embrace it. It yeah. is. But yeah. I mean, what I mean is... I love the theme tune and for what it represents, but as Charlie just articulated, I don't really have to listen to it at the start of the programme. But I would be annoyed if it went. So I think that is basically the same thing. Fair enough. Don't think we achieved much in this debate. We've skirted around it as much as we can, but um, whatever you feel, it's fine. Do you think it will come We're back? We're all here though? for you. Because a lot, lot of times these things, these sort yeah. of outrages do result in a U-turn. That's what I was thinking. That I feel like that quite often happens. Where they, they, I mean, I think that's what's silly when they seem to underestimate the strength of the backlash. I mean, none of you, you can think it's ridiculous. You can think it's justified. It's certainly not surprising. I mean, we could have anyone could have told you that this going is going to result in enormous backlash. I guess it's how much you the executives, the spotty-faced execs, care about that. People will get over it. Either that, or it will come back, and it'll be I don't know they'll wrap it over a soundtrack and then everyone will absolutely <laughs> explode. Anyway, someone who are in the Premier League who I think might be earnest enough to actually have a view about this is Scott Parker, for example, whose Scott Parkerness rating <laughs> is already at 89% for the season. This is what he had to say about um, Bournemouth's players after their win over Aston Villa. You could just you could just hear the Parkerness rising as it goes. Wanted heart, courage, commitment. You got all of the above in spades, didn't you? You must be so pleased. Uh, yeah, I'm... Um... 
I'm delighted and I'm very proud of the team because I think, like you said, I, you know, I spoke about before the game what we need to bring to every football match to a man, all of them. Um, and very proud, very proud of the performance in terms of what we give there. Um, big performance for us, really. And um, yeah, like I said, um, three points at the end of it will always tops it off. But the main, the main essence was the day was to come here and um, yeah, show us what we're about in that sense. And I thought we did that to a man, like you said. <laughs> I don't think anyone, Charlie, has a better grasp of the intangibles right now than Scott Parker. And I'm saying this sort of to his credit. I think one of my favourite clips ever on cliches was one from him. And I, I think you prefaced it, Adam, by saying something like, it's just a masterclass in saying like absolutely nothing. Like, it's just, it's all, like, you sort of know what he means. But at the same time, you're like, if you actually break that down... What is being said here? I've, I don't think I've ever witnessed, Dave, such intense mundanity <laughs> in, a, in an interview. I mean, as Charlie basically points out, he's not saying anything, but there's so much intensity to that nothing. More than anyone else, I think, could, could ever find that balance. It's, it is so convincing. It's not like sometimes you, you, you can sort of tell when managers are just going through the, going motions, through the motions to get, get the interview done and get out of there. But I feel like he genuinely mm. sort of lives and breathes this sort of stuff. And we've seen it with his sort of dressing room team talks and, and all that sort of thing. And even down to the way, he'll, he'll just, he'll never say, oh, we, we, we played well. It'll be, we'll, we played really well in the football match. No, he definitely really enjoys I think he definitely really enjoys it. I think there's like an excitement and, a, and as you said, and the earnestness that means he does to sort of relish really. this as part of it. I mean, no post-win Scott Parker interview would be complete without him addressing the fans, of course. So here it is. And how big a part did the crowd play here today? I thought they were amazing. I, you know, I think we said that. We see it last year. We need to make this place a fortress for us. We need to make this place really difficult to come and play an intense stadium, small stadium in that sense. And I thought the crowd played every part. Um, and the players constantly need the crowd. Um, so, yeah, I was pleased with that. <laughs> crowd played every part. Didn't just play their part. They played every part. Every That's part. about but as effusive as you could be about a set of home supporters. A small stadium in that sense is also in, in the sense of size, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just padding. It's just padding for when you're not sure what to say. I'm, all, I'm well behind it. It's no problem for me. Better stop before we become slightly too unfair to Scott Parker, but we will be picking on him intermittently throughout the rest of this season. Yeah, speaking of picking on people, uh, we couldn't leave this one alone. I don't care if it's done the rounds. Um, this was Alan Shearer's tap-in of an Amy Winehouse pun during his analysis of Spurs' 4-1 win over Southampton. You've got to close them down. Why doesn't he come on over? Ooh. Valerie. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Look, but you've got, you've got to get tighter. Good ball, good header, but there's no one around them. Good players. Can't give them that amount of space, and this sort of sums their day up. Southampton, there's just no way back mm. at all. Um, Morecambe and Wise here. We rehearsed that for the last four hours. <laughs> Let, let's dig beneath the obvious straight away, Charlie. This is this, this is smack bang in the middle of the of, of match of the day's banter level, isn't it? Just right in its comfort zone. It's, it's all good. Yeah, I actually I thought it was a particularly sort of bantery episode, but mm. I didn't mind if it was anyone else. You, it might feel a bit all smug and whatever. But there was another bit they did on a classic bit of Gary Linekering where he said, "Oh, we would flash up the graphic of who scored the most goals on yeah. the opening." day but you know we're not gonna you know we forgot you know it's like oh and right he's pissing himself and all of that yep. he gets away with it what I also liked was how he then went super earnest in the bit afterwards as if sort of like he had to make up for it and he really wanted to concentrate 
Um, after allowing the joke uh, Dave I'm sure Charlie picked up on this but um, you know if you're going to do this on match of the day you've got to give it full guns you've got to go for it I feel like he he held back Shearer didn't he he, he did he did he didn't he didn't quite launch into the sort of <laughs> sing-song element of it properly and I, and I bet they did rehearse that and mm. I bet I bet he took some coaxing but I I sort of I, I'm really here for it actually like, I quite like Shearer as this kind of he's obviously never going to be as sort of funny as righty, but I think he knows his place as the sort of slightly kind of dad jokey guy who's a bit of the straight man, but some, you know, he kind of, there's a, there was a little bit of self-awareness with that and I liked yeah. it. It was good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's not it, indulgent at all. It brought back two really fond memories for me. One of them was in a Liverpool game, I think 2013, they showed Mike Myers in the crowd and Pierce just said, you know, it's like Mike Myers there, of course, born on the Mersey and da 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 da. And then there was a silence and he just went, yeah, baby. And it, was, <laughs> it was, it was honestly so surreal to the point where I doubted that it ever happened, but I have since looked it up and it did. And the other was Chris Waddle when e, I think it was when ESPN used to broadcast games mm. and they showed Alan Sugar in the crowd. And someone said, like, Lord Sugar there, of course, again, a silence. And he just went, you're fired. <laughs> and it was it was so surreal. <laughs> it was like, I, and like, just no content. And then they just, I don't think the commentator responded. I think just moved on. How much context so, do you need? I mean, that's, yeah, that's no, it. It's all, it's all there. Oh. It was, uh, there was, yeah, just, just great memories, really. Complete tapping. Hi, I'm Danny Kelly. You can join me, Jack Pitt-Brook, and the rest of the Athletics, frankly, tremendous team of Tottenham writers twice a week throughout the new season for the View from the Lane podcast. It's the podcast that gives you everything you need to know about Spurs, as well as all the joy and pain of actually following them. Search for the View from the Lane everywhere you get your podcasts and listen ad-free on The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! 
is wonderful. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, let's let's bring our listeners into the equation. Sam Pinkham writes in, Dave, and says, who is the number one you worry for them team this season? It's Leicester, in my opinion, he says, followed by Southampton and Everton. Change my mind. Hmm. I mean, it, it, it's a prominent... It's a, I mean, it's a pertinent question to ask after week one. Uh, it looks quite Southampton for me. I would say Southampton, but I, maybe they get off on account of being away at a very strong Spurs. Um, and we're sort of used to them getting hammered and sort of being being all right in, in the end. I had my, my spidey senses were tingling quite strongly when it came to Aston Villa this weekend, losing 2-0 to Bournemouth who were apparently in not in great shape, mm. you know, reading pieces on The Athletic in the lead-up to the season. Um, and yet they didn't look very good. Just, yeah, the, Gerard. there was a shot of Gerard just slumped in the, in, the, in the dugout. I thought he just, he didn't look like a man who was happy. All's not well at yeah. Villa Park. Mm. Yeah, that, that's the vibe I got. But Something Charlie, are we rotten. obliged to fear for anybody? Do we have to fear for someone? Well, I think, you know, it's... We don't have to, but it is such a common news thing. I mean, I was just thinking as well of what the the sort of staples are. Obviously, a bad result, but I do think that sort of a bad transfer window where there's bit the manager has bemoaned the lack of new mm-hmm. signings. Yeah, so I think Leicester are in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think Leicester said. definitely are. Mm. Um, so there, there is that element of, of uncertainty. Yeah, um, some may have been fearing for Fulham, but they uh, put up a decent show in the Saturday lunchtime kickoff against Liverpool. But Matt Bruce had his eyes on the de- real details from this game. And he says, during Fulham-Liverpool match of the day, Steve Wilson stated, well, it's one of the oldest cliches in the book, but what a difference a goal makes. It made me think, what is the oldest cliche in the book? It's a game of two halves, surely. <laughs> mm. Is that the oldest one? That, that, that's certainly the most basic. I think so, yeah. I think that, I think that is, has to be, doesn't it? It's the most venerable yeah. of them all. Can't well, you know it. what they say. Yeah, simple as that. Uh, Adam also writes in, says, Steve McManaman referred to Fulham-Liverpool as a game of chess after four minutes, Charlie. This is far too early, isn't it, he mm. asks? Yeah, a game of chess. <laughs> it needs to have been going on for quite a while. For you. I think, I don't think when the earliest is you can say that. I think midway through a first half, you might be able to say of a game where very little had happened and it felt like the teams were slightly feeling each other out, but... Yeah, I think that means you probably could go a little bit earlier. I mean, Dave, if you think of a sort of a soccer Saturday pundit being asked how it's going in the first sort of 10, 15 minutes at Craven Cottage, and you said a bit of a game of chess so far, I think that would be acceptable. I don't think a game of yeah. chess necessarily has to evolve too much. It can be a it can be the starting status of a game, if anything. I think 10, 15 is fine. I think four is a... <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I think, I think you would go with more like just sort of feeling each other out here yeah. in the early yeah. stages. A game of chess suggests that i for me it's like that the managers have done something to you know they're 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 thinking about it tactically they're moving the pieces around and they're mm. combating each other in, during the game four minutes in that's not going to be happening is it game of chess as i understand it is a tactically tight game mm. teams not really making too much of an impact on each other but dave what's cat and mouse I've never actually thought about what cat and mouse mm. actually is in football. Is it one team have the ball and the other are chasing them? Is that basically it? Cat and mouse. Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, so the... But the one team are doing the chasing. The mouse, yeah, the mouse is getting away and the cat's pouring at it but can't quite get it. Mm. 
That's but they're doing at it without a massive intensity, I think. You know, it, it, you're not banging the door down in a game. No, no. So you're, you're, you're sort of, you're chipping away at the, the resistance. Yeah, it's an emphasis on possession rather than um, damage, I think, so, with cat and mouse. But, but the mouse yes. is the underdog in this situation. Yeah, so I think it doesn't quite translate, does it? Because no, it doesn't. Is the mouse the one who's got the ball? I, I think the, the cat is the more powerful entity here who is sort of dominating proceedings. Yeah. And the mouse is sort of at the moment hanging like just, on. Just, just surviving by the skin yeah, of its it, teeth. It's escaping, mm. and, you know, escaping from conceding a goal or being overwhelmed. Mm. But not crucially giving the cat the runaround. No. Or, yeah, or running rings around it. No, it's, it's not as dramatic as that. Okay, we always wanted to know what cat and mouse... And I only just realised I wanted to ask the question. Yeah, I'm, not uh, sure we, I'm still not sure we quite know. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, elsewhere this weekend, um, Brighton stunned Manchester United at Old Trafford. Ryan writes in and says, I have seen uh, Pascal Gross's brace being described as a quick-fire double. Does two goals nine minutes apart qualify for quick-fire status? What's the threshold? I think nine minutes is probably all right, although I didn't feel like a quick-fire double at the time. Dave. I think... When you look at the scores on the graphic, mm. it's sort of, I, it was, was it like 33 and 39? 30 and 39? It was something like that, wasn't mm. it? 30 and 39. If they're in the same. Yeah, yeah that does make a difference. Band of yeah. minutes, then it's, it's I arguably so. quick fire. I mean, it's, it's really the pushing, it's stretching it, but it's there. Does it matter how much happens in between? Must do. Because I think. If if that was separated by like a penalty miss by United, then I don't. Then I think that's that reduces its quick fire double credentials. I also, I mean, there are two other complications. This I also think quick fire is probably sort of awarded in retrospect. It might look quite quick fire later on when actually at the time it may not have felt it. And also, Charlie, I would also say that I feel like quick fire doubles are only for strikers, players who are expected to score, and it's just almost like business like mm. they're just yeah, quick fire double jobs jobs done. Whereas a midfielder notching two in the space of nine minutes at Old Trafford. Feel like the quick fireness becomes secondary to the spectacle itself. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just thinking how you would you wouldn't go as far as like a famous double. That would be ridiculous. But it's more in yeah. that sort of in that space, I guess. Of the, yeah. you know, it's a memorable a memorable brace or something from a player who, as you say, is not associated with scoring goals, let alone at Old Trafford. Elsewhere at Old Trafford. Charlie, I noted that Graham Potter had a proper water bottle, like a reusable stainless steel one, yeah. presumably from the club shop. Had the club badge on it. I've never seen that before in the Premier League, and I have a keen eye for vessels containing water drunk by managers. Yes. I mean, I, I would think of anyone, if any part of the country was going to be keen on sustainability, it would be Brighton, what with the, you know, the links with the Green Party and all of that sort of mm. thing. Feels quite on brand. Uh, I, I did notice this, but I, actually it was, uh, as you were saying it, I thought, oh yeah, I noticed it. But then I thought, no, because it was in another game. Thomas Frank had one. Oh, and it would, but it was like one of the sort of chilies, metal ones. Yeah. But it was, but it was a like a massive one, <laughs> like a like a thermos, like a full, like full liter or something. Oh, yeah, too really, much. It was really big. Yeah. Because it was a big swig of it just after they scored a goal. Actually, it's interesting that you've you've introduced volume to the equation here because a liter's too much. Uh, a liter's mm. too much to be drinking from. But I mean, but some of them go really small. Charlie, there's like there's Panda Pop kind of size yeah. water bottles, and that looks insufficient to be drinking from. It looks undignified i know i've seen this quite a bit that people with with clubs having these teeny tiny water bottles it feels and i'm really curious to know is there a reason for that is there some you know is it more hydrating or is there some nonsense reason that <laughs> us laymen 
don't understand because to me it just looks quite annoying. You'd have to constantly be getting new bottles surely. and bad for the environment, surely. Surely, yeah, inefficient plastic-wise. But I, I do wonder what Martin O'Neill, the thirstiest manager in Premier League mm. history, thinks about all this. But um, Colm Healy, Dave, asks a very obvious next question, which is, who is the most traditional rinse-then-spit from standard LucasAid sport bottle manager currently plying his trade in the Prem? Lamps? Gerard. Again, he's you know, too statesman-like now. But yeah, he's got his um, cardigan, he's got his tie. Would, um, would Eddie Howe? I, I, can Im- I feel like I can imagine him in, in quite a controlled sort of way. I mean, I know, you know, say, swing it, but just in, I feel like he'd want to keep his energy levels up during a game. But he wouldn't spit it out, would he? He wouldn't spit it, I suppose. If he did spit it out, he would sort of lean very deliberately somewhere and spit it really carefully where he didn't think anyone was going to walk. Mm. Uh, but I, can't, I, don't, I don't see Eddie Howe as a spitter. I don't think we've got very many spitty managers... <laughs> Left at the moment. They're all too calculated. That's what it yeah. is. They're all too measured. I think Lampard is, is about as close that, as we're getting here. Yeah, that Ernest New School of manager. Mm. Sort of, very, you know, like Scott Parker wouldn't do that, I don't think. Yeah, they're all very deliberate placer back, backers of the bottle, aren't they? Mm. Back exactly where they picked it up. Uh, they're all too precise. I feel like the, uh, the traditional rinse then spit might be a dying art amongst the managerial <laughs> fraternity. Next up, uh, couldn't find any quotes nor video about this, but I had to mention it. Uh, it was the National Cat Awards last week, and uh, David Seaman was there, Dave, to present the Most Caring <laughs> Cat Award. <laughs> and the Cat Protection... Uh, cat oh, it's pro- such a shame you haven't found any audio or video. Yeah, nothing there, nothing there. The, and the uh, nominees are <laughs> more caring than I am. <laughs> Uh, the charity Cats Protection were, were gleefully tweeting all of this out and uh, David Simon was there with his wife and they were described as the perfect couple. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's just happy He's just happy to be there, isn't he, Dave? Just very happy to be everywhere. Is there any reason? I mean, is it like cat-like reflexes that Seaman had as a goalkeeper? Is there any link or is he just a he particularly... He must have mentioned it. He must have mentioned that in his, in his speech. You'd have, think, you'd have thought so. And if not, why not? But does he does he love cats? I reckon I, my thoughts here that his missus is one of the patrons of the charity. That's what I'm going for. I don't know if he be seeming himself. He's more of a fish guy. Mm. He'll have made a catfish joke as well, won't he? Yeah. Right. Next up, this is from um, Charlie Slater, who is the BBC's man in the East Midlands, it seems. And Luke Brown sent this in, who said uh, we were treated to a double whammy for Notts County's third goal against Maidenhead on Saturday. Has to cut back and uh, find Joel Taylor to O'Brien. Back to Taylor on his left foot, dead centre. Hits it! Oh! Stop the count! There's your goal of the season. <laughs> Sorted. Joel Taylor from 25 yards with his left foot has picked out the top corner of the net where the spiders live and the owls sleep. It's a wonderful finish from Joel Taylor. Notts County 3, Maidenhead nil. There, Charlie, is a wow. football cliches listener if ever I heard one. That's amazing. And also, stop the count, to me, feels quite like the category we were talking about last week of um, social media things being said in real life. <laughs> I know it was obviously originally said in real life, but mm. it's become such a you know Twitter club thing to do if their team's top of the table after a game or something. Mm. Very busy so, top corner over Meadow Lane, though. Yeah. I quite like where the spiders live. The spiders live and the owls sleep. Yeah. I'm Coexisting happily. Yeah. Yeah, they could. Exactly. You could have a spider and an owl in the same. Yeah, they're not the natural together. Natural predators, are they, for each other? I'm sure it's fine. So. Owls don't yeah. eat spiders. I'm <laughs> convinced of that. Natural um, bedfellows. Elsewhere this weekend, we witnessed the Premier League debut of Erling Haaland 
who scored twice at West Ham. Um, it turns out, Charlie, he's one of only two players to win a penalty and then successfully convert it on his Premier League debut, the other being Alexandre Pato. Wow. Wow. Could you confirm to me the language of winning a penalty and then successfully converting it? Pick yourself up, dust yourself down. Thank you. That's all I needed. That's all I need. uh, Yeah, only the second player to pick himself up and dust himself (laughs) down on his Premier League debut. Um, but, But elsewhere, Dave, what was getting out of hand? regarding Erling Haaland was this this manufactured constructed scenario where loads of people were saying he was shit after the community shield <laughs> and now he's not very convenient debate to construct for some people but it is complete bollocks isn't it well, obviously yeah mm. he just missed a couple of chances in the community shield but it was still positive signs from that game just out of control absolutely yeah. out of control no one's saying any of this I- also noticed that it seemingly can't he can't be mentioned almost without people forecasting what a devastating player he could become. Like on match of the day, they were saying, you know, he could be here for many years and break all sorts of Premier League records because he's got a good record goals to game already. But it's, there's a real <laughs> sense of foreboding with him. There's a lot of pressure on him from that, in that respect. Oddly, I've detected a lot of um, sort of weirdly vested interest in Erling Haaland scoring lots of goals this season because Charlie, after the Community Shield, we heard a lot of, don't worry about that. He's going to get a lot of goals for this Manchester City <laughs> side this season. And then when he did score, like, that'll be the first of many, you imagine. The first of many, you would imagine. Manchester I City did think- What's the big deal? Doesn't matter if he does or he doesn't. Chill out. <laughs> I did think that, that that first goal was the most first of many. You suspect it won't be the last. Yeah, uh, very much I think so. Ever scored by any player ever. Might be true. Might, might not be. Ross FJ writes in, Dave, and says, I know he scored twice, but did Haaland really inspire City to a win? I would say defenders and midfielders can do more inspiring. So to put it another way, was this an Erling Haaland-inspired Manchester City? Can strikers be the inspiration? It, it sort of does fit a Kevin De Bruyne-type player mm. a bit better, doesn't it? But, I mean, he was sort of the focal point. He was the main man. I don't but, know. Didn't he, but didn't he more seal the win than inspire it? Because I, do, I don't think it's necessarily even the position he plays, but I, I think you can inspire... If you're the man who's sort of linking things and making it all tick, yeah, making it all tick, and you're you're putting in big tackles on the defenders yeah. that set the tone, I think then you can inspire a team. But I think if I, if I saw that headline inspired, I'd think, oh right, he probably didn't score. It's probably more about him, everything else in the game. I wouldn't describe someone. I think he's just he sealed the win for them. Yeah, it's important here that we differentiate between inspirational play, which can be a kind of Brian Robsony kind of midfielder, all action, to the suffix inspired in a football headline, which basically to me means scored twice or did everything but score, like was just a complete creative fulcrum and everything went through him. So it could be De Bruyne. Um, I'm just about going to allow it for a two goal performance Mm. where nobody else scored, but it it, it is basically shorthand for a headline. So yeah, Erling Haaland inspired Manchester City. I'm all for it, but one to keep an eye on. So that leads us to the very first instalment for the 2022-23 season of Keys and Grey Corner. Ford Super Sunday. It took mere seconds, Charlie. <laughs> On B in sports coverage as a helicopter hovered above Craven Cottage on Saturday lunchtime for Richard Keyes to place himself in the landscape of 30 years of the Premier League. For 29 years now, I have said there is nothing else like it. 
Make that 30. <laughs> here with you, everyone. Textbook <laughs> <laughs> start. We invented football. Don't you forget it. But, yeah, he's been on such good form with his blogs over the last week as well. Mm. So much credit taking. It's amazing. It's amazing. Where do we start? Took credit for the Lionesses, more or less. Sensational. I mean, that was a sensational piece. I, I, I don't think we could even do it justice. Yeah, and it feels too just, late to do it. But what a piece of work that was. Absolutely sensational. Obviously, hot on the heels of finding, you know, discovering Sue Barker. Like, yeah. He's just been, he's been on one. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Dave, here's what he feels about strongly next. Um, the hot topic of five subs. Yeah, I'm on board, I understand. But I think it is something of an exaggeration to suggest that by going from three to five subs, we have saved the game. But it's a start, isn't it? It's a start on helping players to rest and recuperate and be able able to put them in a position where they can play at their highest level. If you want to get into this conversation, then we've got to bring FIFA UEFA into it as well. The FA, the Premier League. No, we haven't, because that's far too dull. That is professional broadcasting of the highest order, isn't it, Dave? <laughs> Andy just itching to get in there as well. McAteer just... almost yeah. losing it there, Charlie. I feel like McAteer has gone away over pre-season and, you know, the equivalent of a player bulking up. He's had a word of himself and be like, no, I'm not going to be ridden roughshod over by Andy and Keezy hey, this season. That's not taking any shit from those two. Um, next up, a very worrying pause in the middle here where we, we start to wonder what Richard Keyes means when he talks about Sir Alex Ferguson's influence at Manchester United. Um, the one thing United have been very good at since mm. Alex Ferguson left is, is making bad decisions. <laughs> and, and they've continued to do it for me in the summer. Richard Arnold, now as chief exec, has decided he wants to give Alex Ferguson a, a, a meaningful role at the football club. No. No. They will not escape <laughs> Fergie until finally, uh-huh. oh God. finally, they're out of the shadow. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing him back in an official capacity for me is is playing to the crowd again it's like signing ronaldo last season it's just it it, you're gesturing tokenism if eric ten Hag wants any further information about how to run a football club (laughs) give me a call uh, again i just call yeah here he is if not give keys a call (laughs) just when you thought that the highlight of that might have been richard keys andy gray throws in the word tokenism out of nowhere (laughs) completely contextless that is amazing. Yeah, that really caught me off guard. Mm. Just chucks that out. On the Manchester United theme, Dave, there's a quote from uh, Monday's Richard Key's blog. So why couldn't Ralph Ten Hag's United have done better? They were hopeless. Nothing has changed since Rangnick picked his last team. Nothing. No, I'm sorry. They've got a five foot eight <laughs> centre back that's likely to have the arse ripped out of him most weeks now that proper nines are back in fashion. Whose idea was that, for goodness sake? I love the fact <laughs> he's just taken an inch of his height, which you can just do now like, without yeah. anybody questioning yeah. it. And he's five yeah, foot yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five foot, what is he? Five foot seven, five foot eight, five foot six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's ripped out of it. Yeah, that's Amazing. a bit much, isn't it, Charlie? I'm told so that is a proper football man expression. Um, one I've never heard. And also just, I mean, how quickly, as we discussed, you know, how quickly Martinez was going to be called out for his height. And first the butcher. game of the season. You can't rip the arse out of the butcher. <laughs> no one messes with the butcher. Although, no. more worryingly, I have seen in Monday's review pieces the words, the diminutive Argentinian. That's not good news for Lissandro Martinez, is it? You can't be a, you don't want to be a diminutive centre-half. No. Baby Stroning, he barged old Welbeck over, didn't he? I'm yesterday sure. and the, nearly gave away a pen. Diminutive, but still meaty. I mean, the best thing about centre-halves making their debut, Charlie, is that honestly... 
you can interpret it in so many ways. Some people will say he was given the complete runaround. A lot of other people say, oh, he quitted himself well on his Premier League debut. It is complete. <laughs> you could just say what you like because no one's ever going to go back and prove you wrong. It depends how much you like fouls as well, because for some that's a sign of how off the pace you are. For others, it's like he relished the physical side yeah. of the Premier League. <laughs> Oh dear. Right. Um, really enjoyed this one. Um, here's Keezy picking up on something. He, I'm convinced he only thought he spotted after Erling Haaland's brace against West Ham. Have I got this wrong? Go on. I'm 22. Yes. My debut. Yes. I've scored twice. Yes. And there's at least 15 minutes left for me to get a third. I'm not coming off, by the way. I ain't coming off. No. I, I, I listened while you and Nigel argued the point. When it happened, I kept quiet. I thought, I'll, I'll hold my thoughts until after the game. If that was me, I would be gutted. I was almost speechless. <laughs> <laughs> if I played that little bit at the end to you at the start of the episode, you'd never have guessed what it could potentially be about. But it was actually Pep Guardiola taking off Erling Haaland before he had the chance to complete his hat-trick. And, it, and taking players off before they've had a chance to complete their hat-trick is such a baffling preoccupation for some people, Charlie. <laughs> that is amazing. Almost speechless. It is, yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, it's in that sort of Andy cardinal Gray sin. to come off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have come off. I wouldn't have come off. No. <laughs> No. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. I mean, Andy Gray, pure strikers union as well. That's his yeah. role, isn't it? Yeah, no way. But I love as well how no way. condemned yeah. that if, if a player hadn't come off for that, that would be like the absolute con. Exactly. You cannot do that. You cannot undermine a manager. Yeah. They are there to make the decisions. I'm sorry, he's moaning about not scoring. It's about the team early. <laughs> I've never done that, Richard. Never. <laughs> no. Never catch me doing that. Right, to play us out this week here, and, and one of the best things about being sports Premier League match day coverage is the democratic approach. All three voices are allowed to air their views about something, just as long as they do all do it at the very same time. Here, 77 seconds of all three of them talking about Jack Grealish. Let's, let's wait and see is what I'll say. Right? I expect Jack Grealish no, no, to have a much wait better Wait and see season. how long. He's had a, he's this not, season. He's not, he's not changed countries. Well, listen, he's just Pep, driven 80 miles up the road. Partying because well, he won the title. Well, you can't, was you the can't right take a holiday. <laughs> listen, listen, no, Kizzy, it wasn't on holiday. Kizzy, you can't, he was drunk for listen, 10 days. What he's doing off the pitch is you cannot judge him over the summer because everybody has his right to earn that spending a holiday. I think modern players behave the way he does. The majority. Young players. Young players, yeah. What I'm doing. I like them do. First of all, he's English. The tablets are only, always on him, and he's a hundred million buy. So that's the reason yeah, why. You don't the majority of no, the majority. Listen, the majority of. By the way, Jack, why don't you go out? We'll take a few listen, pictures. They've taken the, the pictures. The majority don't act, don't tell me what I see or what I did as well or during me. the summer. Yeah, and you well, as well. So that is not that is not that is not something but where you can I'll judge. I tell you what. I tell you what. The fact is that technical wise, right? We're talking about footballer Jack mm-hmm. Grealish, not about the person Jack Grealish. The footballer Jack Grealish is he disappointed by, by yeah, his performance? So. Yes, he is. Then don't be out partying, suggesting that in any way you contributed to that time that to because to you that. didn't. Liquid <laughs> broadcasting. Uh, I'm sure we can all agree, an absolute shambles. But you should be down big sanos, Jack, <laughs> on a Friday. <laughs> Big say-nos. Uh, speaking of big say-nos, you'll be delighted to know that Al Wakra of Qatar have signed Trent Sainsbury, who, being Australian, is a decent chance that he's known as Big Sainos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only six foot, though. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a borderline case. Anyway, thanks to you, David Walker, for joining the adjudication panel. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. And we'll be back on Thursday with Mesut Harlan-Dix. The Athletic. 
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.